You're listening to Emmanuel Christian Center's podcast. Join us today as we jump into our series on the book of Acts. We'll see the power and guidance of the Holy Spirit and the followers of Jesus through obstacles, growth, miracles, and joy. The book of Acts is not only the story of those early disciples, it's our story too, a story to be continued. So get ready, God is on the move. Well, welcome to church, everybody, this weekend, all of our locations. If you're joining us online as well, it's great to see you. Thanks for being in church. How many would agree that summer has arrived in Minnesota, right? Come on. We had a cold April and May. We can't complain now, right? When it's 95 degrees. So summer has arrived. This would be a good Sunday. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm glad you don't have a cabin either. Go ahead and tell them that. Because that's pretty much who's at church today, right? Amen. Yes, if you are watching from a cabin, we didn't clap for you right there. So anyways, but we do love you in Jesus' name. All right, but it's so good. Hey, it's Father's Day, and at all of our locations, yeah, you can clap. We want to celebrate all of our dads. Um, This is one of those Sundays that I get to put a shameless plug. I want to show you a picture of my family. And, uh, and what a blessing it is to have a family like this. Psalms 127 says, how blessed is the man whose quiver is full. I don't know what quiver is, but I think it means the full picture frame, right? So Jane and I are blessed with three amazing daughters, two sons-in-laws, four grandchildren, and we are so blessed and so thankful for God's goodness in our lives. It's just, it's so incredible. We wanna take just a moment, and I'm gonna ask every father at all locations, all of us can participate in this. If you're a dad, if you're a a grandfather, if you're a man, I'm gonna ask you to stand up right where you're at. Not gonna ask you to move farther than that, please don't get worried, Uh, but just stand up right where you're at. Can we applaud all these men of God as they stand? That's awesome. Awesome, we're gonna take just a moment, remain standing men, we're gonna pray, and I'm just gonna pray a blessing, and we're gonna pray a blessing over every man, every, every dad, every grandfather, every man that's part of our Emmanuel family from all of our locations because we want God's blessing on our men. And I just wanted to share just a couple quick things, and this, a couple thoughts with you. The first thing is this, some of us at church today, or you may be watching online today, some of us uh, had great dads, some of us had good dads, Some of us had absent, and maybe even some of us had some hurtful dads. But let me share with you two truths that are absolute and from the heart of God. Here's the first truth. All of us have a great and perfect heavenly father. Amen? Amen? Everybody has that. Everybody. And here's the second truth. Here's the second. God laid this on my heart. Our God is a God of second chances. He's a God of second chances. What that simply means, men, we can get better. Because with Jesus, we can accomplish incredible things. So thank you for being men of God. Thank you for pursuing the things of God. Regardless of what the past looks like, let's press forward to God's best in our lives. Man, would you open your hands like this at all locations. Father, I pray blessing over every dad, over every grandfather, over every man here today. All that, all of us, Lord, myself included, we're all becoming men of God. God, we have so much growing to do, and we thank you that you are our perfect example of a heavenly father. God, we pray blessing and strength and encouragement. We pray, Father, for favor and faith 
to rest upon everyone that's standing. And we pray, Father, that you would show your love strong in their lives today. And for any that are discouraged, I pray the encouragement of Jesus would just flow into their lives today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen. All right, that's so good. Thank you for standing and taking that moment of prayer. We're in a series um, entitled The Book of Acts. And uh, this is week three of the series. It's been a great series so far. Pastor Nate kicked off week one and week two. And uh, if you missed either one of those, I highly recommend you go online, watch those. They will be a blessing to your lives. We're gonna jump into Acts chapter six in just a moment. So if you're going through a hard copy Bible or a digital Bible, you can get ready for us in Acts chapter six. We'll jump in there in just a moment. But I wanna begin with this question, and this is in, you can follow along on our app, by the way. You can take notes on the app, and these these points in these scriptures, these questions are in there. And I wanna begin with this question. The question is this, what would a perfect church look like? What would a perfect church church look like? I would submit to you first, it would be empty. Come on, somebody, right? Because the moment you or I join it, it won't be perfect anymore, right? And I open with that question just to think it through just a little bit because the goal is not that we would have a perfect church. The goal is all locations of Emmanuel that we would have a powerful church. Right, that we would be submitted to God's God's power and that we would want everything he has for us in our lives. And so I I think of that, what should the church, and we're gonna look at this in Acts chapter six, what should the church really look like when it's strong? Psalm 133 and verse one says this, how good and pleasant, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Say this after me, God's people in unity. Thank you, God's people in unity. Isn't that a great, that's just a great verse. How good, how pleasant, other translations say, how remarkable, how beneficial. There's a lot of different words that describe this based on what translation you read in scripture, but they're all good words. So God takes The concept and the principle of unity, don't miss this, takes that and attaches it to positive, beneficial description in our lives, in our families, in our church. And so when we talk about unity, we're not talking about some term that's just out there in the world or in the marketplace. We're talking about something that that God highly values. That's why the title of this weekend's message is Protect What's Valuable. Everybody say protect. Protect what's valuable valuable because unity is so valuable. So in Acts chapters one through five, before we read from chapter six here, um, you'll notice there's some of the, I would just call it the most enjoyable chapters in the book of Acts to read. As Pastor Nate was preaching the last two weeks on it, uh, it, was just, it was just, I mean, miracles were happening, outpourings of the Holy Spirit were happening, thousands of people were giving their lives to Jesus, and these miraculous things were taking place. It was so exciting. Those five chapters are full of just like great news and great miracles and great wins. And there's moments in the first five chapters where they face external conflict and external um, uh, challenges and stuff like that. Chapter six is that chapter um, where true reality sets in. True reality to what it means to be in community sets in. So in Acts chapter six, we see it's the first place 
where the New Testament church faces conflict from within, inside. Not external people wanting to, wanting to arrest them or put them in jail or command them to stop doing church or talking about Jesus in the marketplace. That happened in earlier chapters as well. But this is the place where internally, don't miss this, internally they, were, they, were, they ran into this new thing that is bound to happen in each of our lives. And they, they were facing conflict that was from that was from within. So again, we're gonna protect what's valuable. Acts chapter six, here we go. If you're ready for God's word, say I'm ready. Let's go, Acts chapter six and verse one. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek speaking believers complained about the Hebrew speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. I'm gonna pause there and just, just teach for just a second really quick there, there's no, that this is not refuted, this was actually happening. So injustice and unfair things actually happen, right? They just do. They happen in our world, why? Because we are in a fallen world, right? And we are fallen creatures and we all make mistakes. And so there was this complaining, this discontent, there was rumblings going on, and, and so the apostles stepped up. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and full of the spirit and full of wisdom. If you could underline something, underline that, full of the spirit, and full of wisdom. We gave them this responsibility. Then, then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea. That's a miracle right there, right? Come on, somebody, right? The whole church, thousands of them liked the idea. All right, anyways, that was free. Everyone liked the idea. And they chose the following. Stephan, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem and many of the Jewish priests were converted to or were converted as well. Let me give you this truth, every, everybody say every. every. Say it one more time, every. Every family, every church, every relationship has problems and faces challenges. It's quiet, but I should hear a better amen right there because it's just true. Every family, every relationship, every great friendship, every, every church, every marriage faces times, moments, seasons of problems and challenges. It's so important that we are really honest about that. Now, some of you know I have a huge, uh, just a huge interest in the US military. And I wanna show you this picture. I showed it about a year ago. Uh, it'll be behind me of the, the nuclear submarine from the US Navy, the USS Minnesota, right? So it's just still my favorite submarine. This is the one that's got a painting on the front of it that you can't see in this picture of the Viking and all this kind of stuff and has a walleye. Remember that? I shared that with you about a year ago. There's an actual walleye printed or painted on the submarine. 
But um, there's, there's intriguing things that happen when you study the command strategy on a US submarine. And they have a protocol that they follow and they stick to it and they don't deviate from it anytime they're in a communication moment that's intense or dramatic. And they have this protocol that they follow when they're in that moment. And can I tell you, it is always the same. Let me give you an example. So they often, they would have a, a, a captain and an executive officer. And they would have officers underneath that as well, but a number one and a number two. And you might say, I don't like military as much, Pastor. Just track with me on this example, okay? But they would have a captain and an executive officer. And the example of what would happen is the captain, in an intense moment, a battle readiness moment, the captain would say something like this. He'd get on the microphone where the whole boat could hear him, and he'd say, hey, chief of the boat. He would say, hey. He'd say, chief of the boat, make your depth 150 feet, get ready for battle readiness, spin up tubes three and four. This is the captain. Right when he's done, the executive officer says, chief of the boat, make your depth 150 feet. Crew, get ready for battle readiness, spin up tubes three, four, and six. Would say the exact, and then say, this is the executive officer. So the captain would share this directive, this command, this, this thing that he wants everybody to be aware of, and as soon as his voice is done speaking, the executive officer comes on and says the exact same thing. The only time he is not to do the exact same thing is when it is an illegal or immoral order. Then they have to stand up. So also, biblically, unity, we don't protect unity at such an extreme where somebody is being hurtful or, 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 or kind of just tearing somebody else down or somebody is involved in an immoral situation. Does that make sense? So there's some boundaries in this, but 99% of the time, that's how the command structure happens. Why does the captain speak and then the executive officer repeat exactly what the captain said. The principle that came out of this is called a voice that follows. It's a, a leadership principle, a voice that follows. But here's what it is. Because they are basically saying to the entire crew on this ship, your leaders are in complete unity, be secure. Be secure. Your number one and number two leaders are in complete unity so you can be secure. Even in an intense moment, even in a challenging season, even in those that happen in all of our lives, you can be secure. It's, it's like a, a solid family when mom and dad are in unity and they can be going through something really difficult or a pastoral team is in unity or fill in the blank friends are in unity, the people around them, there is what we call collateral blessing. And the collateral blessing is that we have this security that, wow, God, God is in control. I share that with you because this, the apostles knew there was a problem that was hurting unity. Don't miss this, Acts chapter six. That there was a problem that was hurting unity. And they, and they knew it would affect the progress, the health, and the effectiveness of the church going forward. They knew it. So they came up with a plan. And they acted, and we'll talk about just some of the just incredible truths and, and, and what we can learn from that in these takeaway points that we're going to look at together this weekend. But I want you to know they saw that there was a unity issue and that if they don't address it, 
if they don't address it, that the effectiveness and the health of the church and the early church is going to be hindered. Does that make sense? I like to use this phrase, unity is a mission killer. And that could be a mission of a family, a mission of a marriage, a mission of a church, a mission of a company, a mission uh, you know, of friendships in our lives. It's just one of those things that is, that is so important. Matthew, uh, John says this, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world, everybody say prove, church. Prove to the world that you are my disciples. It'll prove to the world. When we are in unity, it will be powerful. I wrote this down. What would the impact be if we were all unified in our families, in our marriages, and in our church? What would it be like, church? Right? What would it feel like at Spring Lake Park and Maple Grove and Elk River and Lakeville and, and, and people and just all the places we go to throughout the week as well? If we were all together in unity, what would it feel like? We, we say, Pastor Nate says, we believe as a church, Emmanuel's a house of prayer for all nations, right? And one of the beautiful things is that feeling of unity when all nations are represented worshiping God and all nations are welcome. What would it look like? I want to show you a couple pictures. One's they're all very old. The first one is this. Does anybody remember what this looks like? This is where the greatest football team ever used to play. That's not fully true. But anyways, uh, that's the Metrodome before it got torn down. Let me show you the next picture. Uh, The next picture is from the 1996 Promise Keepers event. The next two pictures are actually. The 1996 Promise Keepers event was an event where almost 60,000 men were in the dome, downtown Minneapolis, Minneapolis, learning about Jesus, giving their lives to Jesus, confessing their sin, asking for forgiveness, and worshiping God. And I tell you, um, I, I had the opportunity, it's Father's Day, so I share this with you, that um, my dad was a very liturgical Italian guy growing up and very stoic and gave his life to Christ late in life. And, and I was a youth pastor and out doing, uh, we, Jane and I were in Houston and, and we had come and he had recently given his life to Christ. And my dad said to me, as we were coming home that summer of 96, and he said, Darren, would you go to Promise Keepers with me? And I was 30 years old and, and uh, we walked in a few minutes late to the second song, and there was almost 60,000 men singing the song, How Great Thou Art. And I'll tell you, the unity in that room changed my life. My dad went to heaven unexpectedly the next year, but I'm so thankful that we had these moments of unity together. What does it look like? What would it look like when we operate together? It wasn't It wasn't all 60,000 men that agreed on everything, that did everything the same way or even believed everything the same way. It was people saying, we wanna wanna worship God and we wanna be in unity together. So I'm gonna share with you what I would call some learnings from Acts chapter six. If you're ready for some practical, here we go. Acts chapter six. I'm gonna talk about protecting unity. The first thing I'm gonna say is this. 
And again, this is in the app. You can follow along. I encourage you, maybe process this in your devotion time or if you have a connect group that you're in, talk about this together. So let's talk about protecting unity. Here's the first point. The first point is there will always be opportunities for disunity. Just state the obvious. There will always be opportunities for disunity. It was true in the early church and it's true today. So um, if you're easily offended, try to ask God to deliver you from that. Because all we gotta do is get in our car after church and get out on the road and we can be offended, right? It's just true. But there are always going to be opportunities for disunity. The enemy is not giving up on disrupting what God's doing. But what we know is the enemy is not more powerful than what God is gonna do, amen, church? He's not. So just know, just know that there are always gonna be opportunities for disunity. I noticed this, that the apostles could have been dismissive or defensive, but they allowed space for the conversation to happen. So moms and dads and bosses and leaders and supervisors and pastors and teachers and no matter who we influence in our lives, the apostles, when they heard about this, they, would have, they could have been defensive and said, get out of our face, we're not dealing with it. Instead, they called the people together and they gave space and room for the conversation to happen. If you wanna resolve conflict and then protect unity, allow spaces for the conversation to happen. You might say, Pastor, I don't, I don't wanna hear it. It's not about what you want all the time. It's about what God wants to restore what God wants to do in our lives. So just, just, just know that. The second thing I wrote down here is disagreement does not have to be a unity killer. Disagreement does not have to be a unity killer. It doesn't. Somebody like, go, Pastor, I, I'm not sure I totally agree with that. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be a unity killer. I like to say this phrase, unity has never been about 100% agreement. It's never been. Oh, I think it has. Have you ever been married? Any of you, right? (laughs) Seriously, right? It's It's about choices that we make to respect other people, to value other people, to invite other people's perspective into the journey with us, right? Unity is so vital, it's so important. So there's always gonna be Number one, opportunities for disunity. Here's the second thing that's just straight from Acts chapter six to protect unity. Get more people involved serving. You're like, where'd that come from? Straight from Acts chapter six. One of the solutions to protect it was get more people involved serving. Hey, look for people full of the spirit. Look for people that are full of wisdom. Gather people that can help distribute better. Get more people serving. Emmanuel, all of our locations. If you're not part of Team Emmanuel, become part of Team Emmanuel. Serve in some way. You're like, well, that doesn't fit me. Well, there's something that fits you. And we need you helping kids or helping youth or prayer teams or or parking lots or greeters or whatever, worship ministries, production, all the incredible things that we can be a part of. How many know that when we serve God's church together, unity is built? We shared earlier in the service, be a part of a Kingdom Builders team. When you go and you're part of a Kingdom Builders team, you will be unified with that team that you're a part of. And God will use that to protect unity in the church and in our lives. So get more people involved serving. And here's the, here's the third one. God's vision for the church requires 
more people leading. God's vision for the church requires more people leading. Amen. That's so, so true. I love how the apostles, and then they built out and added more leaders and more leaders. Because what did the first part of Acts chapter 6 say? As the believers and the numbers grew and and rapidly multiplied, right? So they were growing. And what has to happen in God's plan is he needs more godly leaders to rise up. Now, let me just say this. I said to underline in scripture earlier in my message, underline full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. If you want to know what God's looking for as a qualifier for leadership, it's not that you lead thousands of people. It's that you are full of the Holy Spirit and godly wisdom. You know what I love about that? We can all do that. We can all go after that in our lives, to be full of God's spirit and to grow in wisdom. It's just so, so important. I also just wanna share this really quick because when when, uh, the apostles responded to this moment in Acts chapter six, um, they didn't bring accusations, they brought solutions. Godly leaders in families, in marriages, in churches, in key friendships, and key working relationships. Um, Godly leaders don't bring accusations, they bring solutions. And I just, that jumped out at me this week when I was reading it over and over again. I'm like, I wanna be a leader like that. I'm not like that all the time and I wanna get better at that. I want to bring solutions, not just accusations. So I wanna make it um, really practical for a few moments if that's okay. Um, And I'm just gonna call this making it personal. Making it personal. Everybody say that together. Making it personal. And these are what I would call honest realities for all of us. They'll jump up on the screen. You can fill them in on the app and just uh, if you want to follow along with us. But this is how we get to unity is that we are just honest about our own lives. And we're honest kind of about what we bring to the table. So I am with you. We're all in this together. So here's the first one that w- where we make it personal. I will be misunderstood. I will be misunderstood. You will notice these do not have question marks at the end of them. They are statements of truth. How many of you know that there are times when I will be misunderstood, when people will misunderstand you, they will question your motives, they will get it wrong, sometimes they'll get it right, sometimes they'll doubt things about you. That is a part of life. I will be misunderstood. Everybody say amen. All right, here's the second one. I will be mistreated. I will be mistreated. It's sad, but it's true. We'll all go through moments where we get hurt, where somebody will treat us wrong. And again, it can happen in any kind of relationship that's important to us. And so instead of saying, I'm gonna protect my life so that I never get mistreated, that would mean I'd have to live in a room by myself. We just need to understand, if we make it personal, and just understand, you know what? Um, I'm gonna be mistreated. I don't enjoy it, I don't like it, but I know it's gonna happen occasionally, hopefully, only occasionally. So number one, the first bullet point, I will be misunderstood. Number two, I'll be mistreated. The third thing is this, I will at times hurt those I care about. This is hard to talk about, right? I will, this is personal, make it personal at times, 
hurt those I care about. Let me be really clear. We should strive not to hurt those we care about. But at times we will. At times we'll disappoint people that matter a lot to, our, to us and to our lives. And we just got to know that. We just got to know that's part of our journey and that's part of protecting unity, that we have this awareness that, that we're fallible and that at times we're going to hurt those that we really care about. Here's another one, one more, two more here. My body language is almost as important as my actual words. It's very practical. I say this as an Italian guy, this is so true. Jane will tell me, babe, your body is not saying what you're, what you're saying right now. Um, and so, and I don't wanna look in the mirror when I'm doing that. So anyways, but I just want you to know our body language is almost as important as our actual words. If you wanna protect unity and build unity and you're sitting with somebody that you really care about, lean into the conversation and cut out distractions and say, I'm listening, let's talk. Because it's just that important. And here's the last one, if the other ones didn't help you, this will. Sometimes I am clueless, right? Sometimes I'm clueless. We even had a few amens, come on somebody. We gotta be self-aware, right? It, doesn't it just feel good to say that though, right? It's just true, well I don't think I am. Everybody else does, right? So we just might as well own our own stuff, right? Sometimes I am clueless. This is true of my life. Romans chapter 12, verse 18. I love this passage. Again, this is all, we're gonna make it personal as we bring the message to a close over the next few minutes. Romans 12 says this, if it is possible, everybody say possible, church. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Man, there's a challenge. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Remember, protect what's valuable. So here's where we're gonna wrap up. I wanna ask you three important questions. The first question is this, who in my life do I need to restore unity with? Who in my life do I need to restore unity with? Elk River, answer that. Maple Grove, Lakeville, Spring Lake Park, online worshipers. Let's, let's engage with this. You can jot it down. You can put it in your journal. Just say, you know what? Um, I, I, need to, I need to restore unity with this person in my life. Remember, it's not about all agreements. That's not the goal. The goal is about healing and forgiveness and walking in a way where God's blessing can be upon our lives. Really, restoring unity is about honoring God. It's about honoring God. So the first important question, who in my life do I need to restore unity with? The second important question is this, who in my life do I need to protect unity with? Who in my life do I need to protect unity with? That's a different question than restore. I pray that we have people in our lives that we are unified with. And I, just would, I would just write this down, key relationships, parents, marriage, those areas are so important to protect unity. Key relationships in our church, it's so important that we protect unity. Jane and I have been married for 34 years. Can you imagine that, right? That applause is totally for her, right? How many of you understand we've disagreed at least a few times, right? But what happens is you put safeguards into your marriage to say even though we have tough moments and disagreement at times, 
we're still gonna protect unity. And we're still gonna come back to that. By the way, that's not just true for marriage, that can work in any key relationship of our lives. It's so, so important. Who in my life do I need to protect unity with? Those are the key relationships. I wanna add to this one, this second question, this. My church, our church, Emmanuel, all four locations, every location of Emmanuel, God is on the move. God is doing big things. God, come on church, right? God is changing lives at all of our locations. People are giving their lives to Christ. People are getting water baptized. Students are going to camp. Kids are going to camp. People are going on Kingdom Builders teams. Lives are being changed in our church, right? God is at work, it is special. So let's protect the unity of Emmanuel. Let's protect the unity of our church because it's us together. It's us together and God is moving and the enemy doesn't have, is not gonna have a foothold in our church. Our churches belong into Jesus and God is at work. So let's, let's protect the unity. The third, third important question is this, who is Jesus asking to take the initiative? Who is Jesus asking to take the initiative? We read in Romans, it says, as far as it depends on you. Man, as far as it depends on you. I think most of the time, the answer to that question, who is Jesus asking to take the initiative? Most of the time, the answer is me. See, I can't control what you or somebody else does. But with God's leading, I can direct what I do. And that's why the author of Romans says, as far as it depends on you, because we can't control everybody else, but we can do it ourselves. And I think that's so vital that we understand, we understand that Jesus is saying, hey, Darren, hey, all pastors, all leaders, all connect group leaders, all those that serve at Team Emmanuel, all those that lead in your company, that lead in your family, that lead in your relationships, take the lead. Take the lead. Protect unity. Restore unity. Take the lead. It's on you. It's so, so important. Can I give you the secret to this one? I'm, I'm not perfect at this by any means. I'm just learning it as I go as well. On this, on this last question, who is Jesus asking? to take the initiative. Here's the secret. I wrote this down. Don't always wait for the want to. You may need to lead with conviction instead of desire. You may need to lead with conviction instead of desire. There are people that God hopes we restore, protect unity with. And we might feel like we don't want to do it. But sometimes, I love it when we do feel like we want to, but sometimes we gotta lead out of conviction, not out of the want to or desire. And if we lead out of conviction, usually that desire will come eventually. Amen, church? It's so vital that we do that. So a couple things and then we'll pray. This is just, I was just thinking about all of just the challenge of, of this and what it calls for in me and what, it's God, what God's expecting in my life. It's so important. Ultimately, understanding Jesus' unconditional love for you moves us to pursue and protect unity. Ultimately, when we're like, oh my gosh, 
Jesus loves me so much. Jesus looks beyond and forgives so much in my life. I have hurt Jesus and I have fallen, I have sinned so often, so many times, and he loves me and wants unity with me. So if nothing else, that makes me and moves me to want it with others. Because it's not about how great I am or how great they are. Can I just tell you, if you pursue unity, you gotta throw the scorecard away. You gotta throw the scorecard away and just say, Jesus, you don't keep a scorecard, you extend grace. So God wants to extend grace to each and every one of us. And I finished with this thought. We've talked about a lot of things in Acts chapter six and what the message is and what the apostles did and how inspiring it was and this whole idea of protecting what's valuable, which is unity. So I just wanna finish because it would be terrible not to ask this question. How's your unity with Jesus presently? At Elk River, at Maple Grove, at Spring Lake Park, at Lakeville online, whoever's worshiping with us today, How's your, how is your unity with Jesus presently? Would you pray with me? God, thank you. Thank you that you give us so much. Thank you that you give us truth and understanding. Thank you that you give us the gospels and the, and the Bible and the book of Acts that we can learn so much from. And God, our desire as we learn from Acts chapter six is we wanna protect what's valuable. So God, thank you for everything you're doing in our church everything you're doing in our ministries, everything you're doing in our families and our friendships and our workplaces, all that's important. And God, thank you that you extend grace to us and you invite us to be unified with you. And God, we seize that opportunity because it's the best invitation in the world to be unified and connected to Jesus Christ. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I just wanna give you a moment in this service. I don't wanna, we'll, we'll go to worship in just a second, but I just felt led all weekend long that in this moment, there are people in church today, um, there's lots of us that have people we wanna restore unity with. I know that's true. But I feel like there's people in church today that you're here and there's a big gap between you and God. And you wanna leave church today knowing that that gap has been closed and that you are in unity with Jesus. What that means is you wanna fully commit your life to Jesus. Or maybe you did that once, but you've walked away or there's distance and you wanna recommit your life to Jesus Christ. You know you need God's forgiveness and you don't wanna wait another day. You don't wanna put it off to some other time. You wanna do what the apostles did in Acts chapter six, and you wanna seize the moment because God is good and God loves you. So as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, if you're in this service and you'd say, Pastor, include me in the final prayer. I want God's forgiveness. I wanna fully commit my life to him and I wanna be in unity with Jesus in my life and I know I need that. If that's your prayer and you'd say, Pastor, include me in the final prayer, I wanna do that. Put your hand up really high. Don't wait. Just put it up all across the room. Wow. Keep raising them. It's amazing. It's awesome. Keep doing it. We'll wait for you just for a moment. I love it. Keep raising those hands in Jesus' name. That's incredible. 
That's incredible. That's incredible. God sees that hand. We see that hand. We're believing God for you. One last time, if you say, Pastor, include me in the final prayer. I wanna commit my life to Jesus. I wanna recommit my life to Jesus. I want his forgiveness. Last time I'll ask you, just put your hand up really high. That's amazing. Amen. Amazing. Whole church, everybody, would you repeat this after me? Jesus, I come to you. Let's say it louder. Jesus, I come to you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I invite you into my life to be my savior, to be my Lord, and to be the leader of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins. I want to live my life for you. I want to be in unity with you. Thank you for your amazing love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. We pray that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Check out emmanuelcc.org for faith resources, how to get plugged into the community, or join us live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We are so excited to see what God is going to do. The best is yet to come.